survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 27 and in this edition we wake up and ask ourselves who we are and how we got here as we take a look back on Resident Evil Survivor. My name is Cyniac, you can just call me Cyan. Joining me on the panel this week, I'm a survivor. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to work harder. From Steamforge Games, it's Sherwin Matthews. Alright. Do you think I'd crumble? Do you think I'd lay down and die? Oh no, not I. I will survive. It's fire button Steve Valance. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast, Signiac underscore one, two, three. <laughs> you are very welcome. FB Steve was taken. This episode <laughs> of the podcast, like all others, was recorded live in our Discord server. Join now to hear the podcast early and unedited, as well as engage with our community, contribute to the show and other upcoming projects, and be informed first of everything going on behind the scenes. You can find a link to the server in the description of the podcast or on our social media accounts. You can also support the show over on Patreon for as little as $1 a month with various tiers, each with their own perks. Check out patreon.com forward slash FA Spray Pod for a full list and the chance to create bonus first aid spray content. On that note, uh, a special thank you to our latest Patreon supporter, Cho- uh, Choji Akamichi. So uh, I know he's been hankering to get the shout out for a while now. So there he is. He gets the spotlight to himself. So Choji, thank you for your support and thank you to everyone else who continues to support us through 2020. This is going to be um, a heck of an episode. So gladly the the housekeeping is very, very light. Just remember to keep checking out the YouTube. We've been putting out... Uh, constantly new stuff. Three videos this month. The latest ones have included a rather mammoth undertaking that was um, Resident Evil B.O.W.'s reimagined as Pokemon. That one was in uh, in the works for quite a while. It's got some original artwork by the same artists who did our chibis and stuff like that. Um, so if you're I don't think you need to really be that deep of a Pokemon fan to really enjoy it either, but it it will especially appeal to you if that's your bag as well. And we also put out the latest uh, lore video, which is on the Wesker program. Find out the history of that project, how Albert and Alex came to be involved with it, and all of that good stuff. Steve did the duration for that. It was a good time, and we've got lots of new stuff coming up over September as well. So that's our news out of the way. Let's get into a rather bulky edition of the Biohazard News. Gents, our first bit of news. Netflix have formally announced an eight-episode Resident Evil live-action series. What do we think of this? So, shall I read the plot synopsis for this before we, before we dissect? Um, if I if I have it up, this one was um, kind of leaked in February. I don't think we talked about it on the show because we it's a rumor and we don't necessarily talk about all the rumors. Um, but also, it seems so kind of. I think I probably looked at it and went, "This doesn't seem realistic." Let's not talk about it. But uh, basically, it's going to star Jade and Billy Wesker, who will move to New Raccoon City. Um, but unvi- uh, sort of uncover secrets regarding their history, their father, the history of the city, secrets that could destroy the world. That's the first timeline of events, the two 14-year-old sisters. And then the second timeline is uh, 15 years later, with 15 million people left on Earth uh, and more than 6 billion monsters. P- people and animals infected with the T-virus uh, struggling in the new world Blah, 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 blah. So, is that Resident Evil? 
<laughs> Steve, what was your first reaction to reading that plot synopsis? My first reaction is probably not advisable for a uh, family-friendly <laughs> podcast, yeah. if I'm honest. Um, trying to approach this from as open a mind as I can. Mm-hmm. Okay, We haven't seen it in action yet. So for all we know, they could make it work. Although the the, the concept, the mere concept, sounds like you don't know what Resident Evil is. You 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 just um, you're taking some some names and you're throwing them together, and then you're going to make a Walking Dead clone with Resident Evil monsters as an aftermath. Right. And, and I part of the appeal for Resident Evil for me is that while there is bioterror, there is monsters, there is all these you know these all these horrible things occurring. It's always bringing humanity to the brink of an apocalypse, but we never go over that knife edge. And that that if we ever do in the franchise, I feel like we're going to lose a lot of stakes, a lot of terror and a lot of tension and the fact the show is literally going to go yeah we're going to do walking dead with liquors and <laughs> maybe you know and here's here's the wesker kids and new raccoon city that just sounds like labels st- slapped on things that doesn't really doesn't draw me in mm, that's how exactly what i thought as well um there was a a very big negative kickback on this one um and i, think I mean that's open gonna- mind Yes, and I, th- I, I yeah, the show might be great, but I think a lot of that negative kickback comes from the fact that it doesn't really have anything in common with Resident Evil, and unfortunately we've been down this road before. In fact, this is Constantine Films, who still own the rights after the live-action films. Um, the real, real cynic in me says they're making this to hold on to those rights, you know, use them or mm. lose them. Um, but yeah, it just feels like, and this is a very American term almost, but a very CW show. Uh, if you know what that means, it is the likes of Supernatural and stuff like that, which is particularly relevant because the showrunner is, is it Andrew Dabb, the guy behind Supernatural? He's the showrunner for this new Resident Evil film. And yeah, it just feels like kind of teen horror drama. And they even call the zombies Zeros, but then they just slapped in the words Wesker, Umbrella, New Raccoon City, which is a very clever name. I have to... A round of applause. Um, yeah, I Very trepidatious. <laughs> like, I I would love to... If Resident Evil game had the guts to go back to Raccoon City, it's not a, it's not a city. It's just a crater anymore with some spooky woods and maybe some stuff still living in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not let's build a city on top of the nuked one. You know, or I knew Raccoon City was like a nowhere middle of the middle of nowhere town that gets eradicated by monsters. You don't, you don't, you don't make a new one of those. Uh, <laughs> uh, mm. Sherwin, what's your first reaction to this? Do you know, it's it's interesting. I'm for me, I think Resident Evil is so many things to so many different people mm-hmm. that I'm truthfully like. As a fan of kind of as a fan of the original Resident Evils, which is when I first started playing them, by the time we got to Resident Evil Five, for example, I checked out. Yeah. Um, in terms of understanding, appreciating the lore and a lot of other stuff, and I think if you were to take Resident Evil the original and then even contrast that as early on as Resident Evil um, Four, take away Leon S. Kennedy, and it's almost like it's a completely different game. Yeah. If you were to take anything beyond that, then the jump becomes even further and further, right? And I think it's important to understand that this just falls to my mind into just another Resident Evil category where it's, hey, this is a different envisioning of what Resident Evil could be. Mm-hmm. And I think in that realm, you know, if it's, you know, it's worth, it, it will probably be worth checking out just to see what they've done. And if it's, if it's Resident Evil, as you've said, you know, exactly all the things you just mentioned, then cool. If it's not for you, then it's not for you. If it's 
if it's quite fun and you really enjoy it and it's a guilty pleasure, or alternatively, it's actually really good, then good times as well. I think, truthfully, I'm not. I, I don't. I genuinely, at this point, I think because Resident Evil, sadly, a lot of the later games jump the shark, it's almost like it's immune to any level of. I can't look at it and go, oh, I really wish they'd done this because there's an active nat canon or storyline that mm. I really think is super important at this point. It's almost the, it's almost the stage where just take it, run of it, see what you can do because uh, you know, it can't possibly be worse than the Resident Evil 6. And, <laughs> and ultimately, it's also worth pointing out, the people listening to this podcast, you know, us, uh, you know, us in terms of actually individuals, we're not the people who really are the target audience of this. Right. The target audience of this thing is the people who thought the films were worth watching who've never played a Resident Evil game. They are out there. 100%. Um, and, and that's the audience that will look at this thing and, and watch it. And for that respect, they're not really making anything for us, are they? So I think Yeah. I think the pedigree of like the Witcher and Castlevania adaptions maybe got a lot of people's hopes up. Um if I'm being like, you know, truthful. Like, it definitely got my hopes up. But so there's the, the same reason like I can appreciate many different Transformers continuities is this just this is another continuity. That's that's the whole reason I'm giving this right. a chance. Exactly. That's that's exactly where I was what I was looking for. It's another constant. It's another Resident Evil continuity. Will it be anything like you know the Resident Evil that we know and love? Well, that's a subjective term anyway, depending on who you sure. ask. What Resident Evil is so, but you know if it creates another Resident Evil community, which is all about kind of you know the the Wesker kids, then uh, good times. It's a bit like the Famous Five. If any of you are old like me and remember such things, um, <laughs> it's just just with zombies in the background. Good times. <laughs> yeah, I suppose the question was less: Is this Resident Evil or it's yeah is this resident evil is this the resident evil that you want <laughs> i think that was the reaction was a lot of people were after being burnt before they were hoping for something different but you're totally right we've said it before same as you said it's uh resident evil is many many different things and if this show's great then fantastic that's good because we're gonna watch it regardless of its quality um so it makes no sense for us to hope that it's bad so hopefully hopefully some something good will come out of this um I believe, I don't know if this isn't concrete info, but I heard that they are going to start shooting soon. They haven't actually begun, they haven't commenced anything. I don't know if there's any been any casting. There certainly hasn't been anything announced. Um, yeah. So could be a ways off yet, but it's going to be eight episodes, I think it said. Eight one-hour episodes, and we'll cover it in some fashion. I'm not quite sure how we're going to do that. Obviously, it depends on if they're going to drop it as a whole season or weekly or whatever. And... And as another thought, if Resident Evil as a series uh, has anything else to go by, they might just get eighty percent of it done and then scrap it and start again. Oh, um, that could just happen. Um, I mean, <laughs> that's just that's just what that's the Resident Evil DNA. Yeah. yeah, no, very true. <laughs> it's it's weird, isn't it? Like the Arclay shot, isn't that what a lot of people have been touting recently to try and uh, say this is what the fans want that we're not getting? Yeah, um, that's definitely come up. It's. It's maybe I hope that's not the redo that we're on about. <laughs> uh, you know, in... well, okay. we'll, we'll certainly see. see. I guess there's not really, like I said, there's not much to go on right now, other than sort of gut reaction. And I think it will calm down, uh, but it remains to be seen how long it's going to be before we get some more of a concrete idea of the way the show's going to look or feel or anything like that. It's probably going to be a bit of a ways off yet. In the meantime. There is the other live-action film coming, so expect more Resident Evil universes to it's not, appear. What? 
that this is an update to the newscast. There's another live action. No, never mind. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Bucket, <laughs> that's what the bucket of sand is there for. We'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll, we- talk, about <laughs> we'll talk about the bucket when we get there. In the meantime, though, I, I made this joke on Twitter, but I'm throwing it out there. I just like everyone to welcome everyone to this new universe of Resident Evil. Uh, if we have the Anderson verse, this is the Dab verse. Uh, so that's something Ooh. at least. If you do not put the uh, the 420 like siren horn effect after that, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> uh, so our next bit of news is equally just a, a small small thing. Uh, Resident Evil Village will be at TGS 2020. Yeah, not not too much to say, I guess, on this one. I genuinely, <laughs> I mean. Uh, the, the website for the game announced that there was going to be an update coming in August. Um, it is now obviously September, um, and they've announced as of today that the game will be at Tokyo Game Show. In what form, we don't know. Trailer, playable, who can say? But that's uh, the last week of September. I think it's 25th to 27th, something like that. Um, so we've got a few more weeks of waiting for information on Village yet. But, I mean... We said it when when Resident Evil Three was announced in December, I believe it was. We and it, we were like, "Oh my God, it's coming out in April! That's nothing." I'm sure we can wait as a community a few more weeks for an extra trailer. Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice if they had stuck to their. Uh, but you know, this is a pre-COVID timeline, like that when that trailer was developed, sure. where the, where August was the the target. It, it's a shame. I have I have obviously jokingly memed about you know the first, last, and third day and whatnot, but. Um, you know, you got to give it the props. There is a very deadly pandemic going on. Right. Uh, priorities. Yeah, I, th- yeah I, th- I think to be entirely fair, I know Capcom. Uh, J- Japan has Japan has weirdly, really, really weirdly, from my understanding anyway, Japan has not got a good infrastructure for people working at home, mm. which is a really odd thing. You'd expect that to be quite the opposite. But um, so I think Capcom, as well as everybody, kind of had this their yeah you know, their fair share of issues in terms of yeah you know, marshalling staff and everything else. It's actually probably a testament, given those challenges, they they still have kept quite well to this timeline. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's yeah. only what twenty eight days, like it's, it's it's most a month from TGS yeah. now, from yeah, time of recording. It's really nothing. Yeah. So yeah, we can hang on. Absolutely. Okay. Our next bit of news, Resident Evil 7 becomes the best-selling game in the franchise. So, <laughs> we literally were, to- <laughs> we were talking about this uh, on the last episode, that it was creeping its way up there. Now, a few weeks later, kaboom, it's done it. It's, it's knocked Resident Evil 5 off the top. Now, to clarify, this is the combined sales of the PS4, Xbox One, and PC versions of Resident Evil 7 Biohazard compared to the PS3, Xbox 360 versions of Resident Evil 5. Resident Evil 5, over its combined lifespan with its ports to current gen, uh, is still is still beating out Resident Evil 7. But in terms of just those versions of the games, Resident Evil 7, that's miraculous, to be quite honest. Um... Resident Evil 5 had a bit of a head start on it, 2009, compared to Resident Evil 7's 2017. So, yeah, what an incredible thing. Yeah, I think it would be very interesting to see where Resident Evil 7 is when it has as many years behind it as Resident Evil 5 does and see what the numbers are then. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. It, uh, I, I've got to imagine the VR capability. The fact that it was only locked into one console is a shame. Um, mm. But that may be like one of its unique selling points to the point 
that it's overtaken the others. It's it's amazing because, like you say, it's only been out what three years. Three years, yeah. Yes, that's definitely going to be a contributing factor, I think, especially in the first couple of years when everyone was keen to sort of try out that technology. Um, what is also kind of boggling, if you look at that Capcom Platinum Titles uh, website where they list all of their best-selling games, is uh, Resident Evil 5, 7.7, Resident Evil 6, 7.6, and then the Resident Evil 2 remake, which has been out a year and a half, is on 7.2 million units. So, whew, uh, give that another six months to a year... That could, you know, come rocketing up and knock Resi Seven off. Who can say? I mean, remake two is a is a damn is a damn enjoyable game, but I kind of feel like Seven deserves the crown at least at the moment. Um, I would agree with that. It's showing there. Um, <laughs> I would I would agree. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It is. I always find these things really hard to predict. I'm no marketing expert by any means, but I don't know if Resi Two is going to slow down compared to RE Seven. Or, or what, yeah, like, but in a year to get to 7.2 million is pretty impressive. Well, a year and a half. What's interesting to me is is where where these games offer very different experiences in terms of what the fan mm. base finds so compelling. Resident Evil 2 is very much old, the remake is very much old school Resident Evil in terms of resource management, in terms of, um, you know, the survival horror vibe to it, everything else. Resident Evil 7, by comparison, feels much, much, much more contemporary. And yeah, you know, neither is good nor better nor worse than the other. It's just interesting to see. It's almost in my mind, it's to to let's let's put it in very flowery, very florid language. It's a battle for Resident Evil's soul. Which one is the real? Which one is the true winner? <laughs> do, do we want? You know, do we have a bunch of people going? Well, it needs to be survival horror. It needs to have intense resource management and kind of you know have have Leon creeping around and not having inventory slots to pick up that really awesome weapon he just found. Or is it actually about some dude called Redfield turning up and then a, a crazy woman with a chainsaw hacking your limbs off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the thing about Resident Evil 7, obviously, it gets a nod extra because, A, it's, it's not a remake, so that might yeah. alienate some people. And it's a, it is a good jumping on point, you know. What yeah. part of it was, you know, you don't need to know any previous stuff to get in. So that's definitely helped those numbers from a mainstream perspective as well yeah. as the VR, so... Yeah. So, we mentioned Battle for Resident Evil Soul and whether Resident <laughs> oh, Evil 2 can remain relevant. Uh, it, it's funny because our last piece of news is uh, a mobile game called Life After is doing a Resident Evil crossover event featuring the likes of Leon, Claire. No, I think it's Leon, Ada, Jill, and Wesker, is it? I think uh, so, yeah. With uh, a RPG themed map and several unique bioweapons. In this, uh, I believe it's a zombie survival shooter game. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I'll be completely transparent and said I, ha- I haven't really looked into this too much, but it is a Steve. You pointed out it's on PC, but it's it's also a mobile game. Um, yeah, it's a survival kind of one of those many many survival games that most often, more often than not, have zombies in them. Um, yeah, there's a map. And I've seen some of it, and it looks pretty good. looks pretty decent. And there's going to be um, boss fights against classic Resi bosses that you can, if you're the right level, you can go and fight. So you'll have to have to get some levels up on the game before you can do it. But I think that the event is really only running for a month or something. It's very short. It's started now, but it's not going to be a permanent update to the game, as far as I know. I think it's going to be, yeah, just a limited time event. I'm glad that Mr. X is a working actor. 
<laughs> yeah, he's showing up in this. He's showing up in PUBG. There you go. <laughs> Monster Hunter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He, yeah, all it's about the crossover. It's a bit like the guy who played Darth Maul. You've got to you know, really sort of exploit it while you can because your, your <laughs> fleeting fame will go away very quickly. <laughs> that's very true. I mean, um, like I said, I, I haven't played the game. I've seen the trailers. It looks okay. But I feel like Capcom are only targeting these small niche crossover games. Uh, these uh, these niche mobile games. I'm surprised they won't just go a bit further afield. That, that's the only thing that I'm really taking away from it. Yeah, it's I mean, odd, isn't it? Because PUBG is a big name, but it, the only being on the mobile always felt very odd to me that that's, that's the only time you could do the resi stuff was on PUBG mobile. I can cough and say Monster Hunter a bit louder if you'd like. <laughs> um, that's yeah, that's but no, fairly I mean, massive for Capcom. <laughs> I mean, outside of the Capcom brand is what, is what oh, I, I basically say. Um, I mean, I'm still like holding a... out for a Capcom-based racing game, to be fair. I know, right? That's, that's, oh, that's cool. <laughs> I, I think it's um it's yeah, racing through downtown Raccoon City. Hell yeah. Um I think um I think it's more from a point of view, um this is a slightly weird one to get your head around, but it's it's like a product ownership uh, perspective. Like what do Cap yeah, what do what what themes do Capcom I don't know this, want Resident Evil to be associated with? Do they want it to be go back to being a small edgy kind of tight license where it's just you know, it turns up in random places? And it's almost kind of got this kitschy kind of appeal that gives it a little bit more of a cult following. Or do they want it to grow into this massive mainstream thing that has you know a television show with the Wesker kids in it and everything else? I think yeah. the most important thing is consistency, and and that is you know something that we can talk about Resident Evil over and over is just it doesn't have that from whether you're talking about you know the approach of different games or whether you're talking about the films or whatever else. I think if you look at where Resident Evil as a series has kind of really fallen by the wayside, it has been because fans in the community feel alienated by one release or another. So it's really about, if, if you're Capcom, it's really about drawing into where you want that focus to be. And maybe the, maybe this is it. Maybe this is their kind of thing of, well, yeah, we want it to be about these small sort of little punchy games and really cool community events where we can make something fun available for a month for people to play for. Alternatively, maybe it is they want to go in a big way and this is just a way of reaching out to an audience that wouldn't necessarily play a Resident Evil game. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what it is. It's certainly possible the last one, um, when you think about massive multiplayer games like this, we don't have one of them in Resident Evil. Yeah. Resistance is not really... It's not a, it's not a Fortnite, to sound old. Um, oh, no. Oh, the films you know. take off. Sorry, Fortnite skins. Fortnite RPD skins. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know? So this is yeah. their chance to sort of, yeah, maybe step a toe into that market without actually having to make the game themselves. Yeah. Who knows? All right, well, that'll wrap up the news, I think. We should move on to the main discussion for this episode, which is the cult classic 2000 title, Resident Evil Survival. And now, reading the file... Prison Chief's Diary from Resident Evil Survivor, Director Smiley, who you can follow on Twitter at PRCAT88. October 20th. Today, we received a reply to our report about the incident where 20 guinea pigs committed suicide the other day. The headquarters does not seem to have any suspicions and says that they plan to gather replacement guinea pigs soon. It's too late. But now, 
I'm starting to regret that I sent a fake report of a mass suicide incident, when it was actually a mass escape. However, as long as I stay in this city, it means death to me if I dare to oppose Commander Vincent. I'll never forget the cruel smile of Vincent when he was shooting at the boys who tried to escape from the prison on that night. It looked as if you were killing a bunch of insects. Commander Vincent is indeed a very cold-blooded person, just as he's rumored to be. He is a true murderer. I am in a position where I'm supposed to report the truth to headquarters. But I'm also afraid of Commander Vincent. I don't know what to do. Okay, the main subject of this episode is Resident Evil Survivor. This uh, game turned 20 in March, or depending on what region you're looking at. It's also about to turn 20, I think, again, <laughs> depending on what region you're at. Um, that was kind of around the time that I wanted to cover the game originally, uh, behind-the-scenes trivia. The plan was to talk about RE7 and then Survivor, basically back-to-back because they're both first-person games. Um, but then Resident Evil 3 Remake happened, so it's tumbled all the way back here. But uh, I'm, I'm very excited to talk about the game that at one stage was called Biohazard Gun Survivor Behind the Mask. Uh, it was developed by Capcom Production Studio 2 and Toze. Uh, Toze are what you would call a ghost developer company. It's like a ghost writer in literature. They will uh, create something for you, and then you basically won't have to credit them. You don't have to slap their name on it. Um, they've co-produced over a thousand games over the years, um, titles such as Game & Watch Gallery series entries and The Legend of Starfy games. Um, so this was handled by a company outside of Capcom. It was also, the, so it was the first time that had happened. It was also the first spin-off for the series. Um, and it was revealed at, coincidentally, TGS in 1999 and then released in January 2000 in Japan, in March 2000 in Europe, and August 2000 in the US. Uh, the game was always intended to have gun con support, a kind of arcadey shooter sort of feel, but due to the April 1999 Columbine shooting massacres, compatibility for that was removed from the USA version. So for those of you in America, uh, you... I was going to say missed out on playing it with a gun con, but maybe we'll get to that. Um, so I guess first reactions. Um, Sherwin, do you remember your first introduction to Resident Evil Survivor? Uh, I did. I played it on um, I played it on an old uh, jailbroke PS uh, <laughs> a long, long, long while ago. Uh, one of my friends just had this thing. It was... Um, at the time, I was a huge Resident Evil fan, uh, like unlike now, obviously. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was just it was it was really fun to be able to play that. In terms of just the initial kind of reaction, of, this is a Resident Evil game. This is this is going to be really awesome. And then just a couple of bits where I went, mm, okay, this doesn't feel traditionally like the Resident Evil I know too well. But then the more I played it, the more I realised a lot of the spirit felt very close to what I expected. If that makes sense, yeah. Um, and in a weird way, and this would be controversial, I think, because you know I'm, I never say such things. Um, this game feels more like it belongs in the Resident Evil series than Code Veronica in my head. Oh, okay. Blame. Yeah, that's bold. Okay, well, we'll break that one down definitely. Um, mm. 
Steve, what was your first reaction to Survivor? Do you remember playing it when it was brand new? Uh, I want to say mostly yes, because I remember playing on a grey PS1 with a big weighty G-Con 45. Nice. Uh, I honestly can't remember much about how it controls uh, and with the gun control, because I feel like you had to move with it. But I, I, it, it being that far back in the memory, it's uh, it's a bit hazy. The only real takeaway I remember was that I was took away by the fact you had infinite bullets. And younger me, he liked letting off some rounds. Mm. Recklessly. <laughs> uh, as for where it would sit at the time, I was like, yeah, it's okay. I've got this remake game to look forward to. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny time, 2000, that it came out. And yeah, as Sherwin said, Code Veronica, also around that time. And then very shortly after that, remake um so yeah it's a weird it was a weird time in general um because obviously around this moment we had all those games that i just mentioned in production as well as other games that didn't see the light of day and various versions of resident evil 4 as well being worked on probably at this point even possibly early days for sort of the hallucination builds and stuff so there was a lot going on in capcom dino crisis also came out this year so it was a really crazy oh. busy time for all these titles to be in development which is probably why it got uh, handed off to another studio. Yeah, um, I'm thinking it must have been pre-Code Veronica for me because I didn't have a PS2 when I played it. Right, yeah. And obviously, well, Code Veronica came out on the Dreamcast before the PS2, so yeah, I, I would imagine so. Um, my first experience with it was probably about 15 years ago or so, so it wasn't on release. It was a good few years after. Um, I just hadn't come across a copy, and, and it, by, by chance someone I knew did have it um so i sat down to play it and blasted through the whole thing i wasn't even aware that it was as short as it was and we'll talk about that uh got through it as it was they also had the gun con so i got to play it with the, con the gun controller that time i've since played it with the just the regular playstation controller um from what i remember of playing with the gun con is there are buttons to move around the screen levels no i don't think it was a d-pad necessarily but there were buttons on the controller to move left and right, and then you would pull the trigger to move forward. I don't know. It was very weird. Um, I think a lot of people think that playing with the controller is actually better than playing with the gun. Um, it's hard for me to say, because like I say, it's 15 years since I played with the gun, but I managed to get through the whole game with it, so I guess it can't be that bad. Um, so that takes us to, nicely, the gameplay. The first-person style, first-person shooter, not really style, of Resident Evil Survivor, the first time the series had done this, obviously, at one point, the original Resident Evil was intended to be first person, so I guess this is them sort of realising that idea. Um, how do we feel about the shift in perspective? Um, Sherwin, you talked about it having the spirit of Resident Evil, um, and but not necessarily having that kind of straightaway realisation of that. Was that part of the, the sort of general gameplay shift as well? Do you know, it's interesting, most of my notes are going to be on theme and style, mm. um, but I, the, the two points I can make definitely pertinent to gameplay is, I think some of the times you play this game, there's, it's really interesting how some of the enemies feel really inelegant in terms of the way they move, the Tyrant for example, um, but that was path for the course at the time what mm. i think is really important to remember like there's lots of things there's lots of things this game does really badly uh, and we will get onto those i'm sure and there's also a lot of things this game does really well but 
it, one of the things you could look back and you could look at like the sort of yeah the way the enemies move around and kind of go oh wow that doesn't look great but it doesn't look, may not look great now but go back to then and actually that was just what they yeah how enemies move that's what they did um and i think so so that is something where i think it's important to recognize a lot of the gameplay elements in this game just feel you know they feel slightly clunky now they didn't back then the second thing is really that and this is definitely a thing that it doesn't necessarily fit into what i said previously is but it certainly fits into what steve was saying is it doesn't feel like survival horror the unlimited ammo just blows that completely out of the water right and that i think is a very very important thing it's, it's actually quite in contrast to a lot of the other elements i think this game does really really well but this is not a survival horror game in that sense it's just a fun blaster kind of thing you know this might as well be house of the dead for all <laughs> that it's anything else you know mm. um but yeah the rest of my notes i'm afraid they're not going to be on necessarily gameplay stuff no, that, so I'm happy, I'm happy to yield the floor to uh to other gents that that's fine there's definitely stuff to dig into with everything in this game in terms of what you're saying about the almost the genre that it falls into yeah i i feel it attempting to ride the line of arcade shooter with its uh infinite ammo and yeah. a bit more of a traditional resident evil feel and it kind of stumbles along that line to be quite honest there's a couple of bits in there where i felt they're not really jump scary, but there was a couple of moments where I was like, oh, you know, where, you know, the, the rooms are kind of cramped. That's that's a bit Resident Evil. And you're shoved in there with loads of enemies. Uh, sometimes, yeah, shocking amount of stuff, especially from that perspective with the... It's it's hard. It, there's not really much option to dodge, which is good because you've got the infinite ammo. So generally speaking, you just have to make a bit of space. Um, the other one, obviously, being you can't really look up and down or anything like that. So if a zombie falls down... Uh, you can't necessarily see that the pool of blood has come out, so you don't know if it's 100% dead. So sometimes you'll get caught by a zombie who's not actually all the way out. Um, but yeah, there's not. Oh, it hasn't really got any survival horror in it. You know, there's, there is no limited inventory. You've got Ark Thompson's got his uh, bag of holding with him. You can you can pick up everything in the game and not have to worry about it. Uh, St Steve, how do you feel about the the placement of the genre and the gameplay in general? First person, Resident Evil, it's never going to catch on. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, honestly, it's it's weird. I, like, in contrast to what you guys are saying, I feel like it's... Okay, you've got infinite ammo in spades, yeah? But the actual mobility of your character, where you have to stand in place and still, like, you know, you manually right. aim and shoot things. But the, because the spaces are so much wider in a lot of the... At least in a lot of the places. I mean, there are a few corridors where you're literally just might as well be playing Doom, shooting things. But... <laughs> Uh, I would argue with like, for example, liquors have now. They used in an RE2, they have like a good like five meter leap, whereas yeah. in uh, Survivor, they have like what I'm pretty sure is a quarter of a meter, even though it has the same animation. They, um, you can get around them. You can almost feel like you won't be a super speed runner, but you can feel a lot like it if you try and evade the enemies instead. Uh, it, it gives me a strange like my recent playthrough has given me very strange feelings on Survivor in that it actually may have been it's generally better to just evade the things, trying to do your best to dodge and weave past them, even though you've got infinite ammo and spades. Most of your handgun bullets aren't going to do much against anything other than a zombie anyway, because mm. lickers take way too many. Uh, hunters take way too many. Uh, and the, the hit-scanning uh, trash sweeper men, they're going to just blast you either way, so it's basically playing a bootleg time crisis. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it's a weird one for me, because I feel like... If you were to pull it out and force fix camera angles in there and maybe adjust a few enemy values, it actually could have been just a 3D Resident Evil game on the PS1. Mm. 
Yeah, I I totally agree with what you mean. Actually, there is. Um, it feels like more than, and I'm sure this is a complaint from some people about the classic Resident Evils anyway. But I feel like in this game, more than anything, I saw a lot of door transition screens uh, more than I was playing the game because you can really just go from A to B through some rooms really rather quickly. They're not even the wider rooms that you mentioned are, are quite easy just to navigate through. So there's a lot of it felt like a lot of door transitions in some parts. Uh, yeah, a lot of it's a bit of a straight run. Um, there's a couple of bits we have to go down one wing of a building and pick something up to go down the other way. But it is a bit more straightforward like that. So I'm sure speedrunners out there will... I'm sure that's the strategy, is just run past most things. On the subject of um, the enemies in the game, we mentioned a couple of them. This is the first time that Lickers and Hunters appeared in the, the same game. All the character models for enemies um, are ripped from previous games so those ones obviously coming from re2 and re1 as well as black widows from re1 make a return there's the crocodile from re2 in fact two of them there's even praise the moth showing up as mm. well they threw everything and the kitchen sink at this game um 100 million t103s to fight and then there's <laughs> the uh the new the new enemies that you mentioned, Steve, the, the cleaners or whatever, which are, I don't know. The, does, it, does anyone remember Action 52? The selection Ooh. of any uh, terrible NES games. I'm pretty sure there's just the cheetah men from that in, in helmets. They make weird, like, big cat noises when they die, but they're people and they melt. They're weird. They don't make any sense, but okay, they're there. Uh, you see, in, in future retcons, when they decide to try and connect everything in the franchise together, that will be because they have a plague of parasite in them that consumes them as they die. Excellent. See, there you go. You've got to figure it out. <laughs> no. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are desi- they're genuinely, in the law, though, they are designed to disintegrate to, when they're cleaners. They're meant to be a cleanup crew, so they don't want to leave any bodies behind of their own. So they are meant to disintegrate, but it doesn't really... <laughs> what? <laughs> like, it's such an odd thing. No other enemy in the game vanishes like that. I just I just thought that was really, really weird. Um, I imagine that was maybe something inserted by this sort of third-party company. Although this game was written by Flagship, who were, at the time, the, the keys to the kingdom of the RE law. Um, so we'll, we'll get to that as well. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure where else to go in terms of gameplay. We've hit the big stuff. It's, it's clunky. I mean... How do we feel about the playtime, in fact? Let's let's go to that one. There's no save points in this game. You're just going to go from A to B till you're done, and then you, you save your sort of like weapon progress so that you can collect all four handguns. How do you feel about the playtime, Steve? It, uh, honestly, it's... To say it's a straight shot, I think you get like three continues if you bite the bullet and die. Yeah, Is that yeah. right? Depending on difficulty, it might be lower or higher. Like, uh, that's okay. I mean, the average Resident Evil runtime, traditionally, like... For me now, this is going on a, bar- a bar- barometer average. is about two hours, three hours. Mm-hmm. So for, for that to be about the length of Survivor, but admittedly that's, you know, the, the first playthrough in like 10 years, I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of ambivalent. I think it's okay, uh, but, you know, save system making it longer wouldn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Joe, and how do you feel about the playtime on this one? Mm, I think it's interesting uh, purely because you've got that FOMO element in it, haven't you? You've got the the alternate paths and stuff. I think yeah, that that's really for me. It's it's very interesting. It almost riffs off of what Resident Evil Three was doing, but mm. then takes it one step further. And to me, that actually negates some of it because when you play it through, you don't necessarily 
again, we can go to the lack of save rooms and everything else and sort of talk about how that's, um, yeah, how that doesn't necessarily feel RE or not and other elements like that. But the idea is I think you want to make the, sh the playtime a bit shorter because of that element where you have got branching paths and everything. It almost feels bought into what that narrative is. And then the other part of Ghost, again, is back to that arcade shooter experience. You don't want it to be super long because it's about sort of this punchy kind of high-octane mm. jump in and start doing stuff. It's just a shame that that contrasts quite a lot with a with the pace and the feel of the game. Um, because the game itself feels quite slow-paced, slow-moving, quite um, uh, very sort of horror and mm. lots of suspense kind of vibes. And that doesn't necessarily gel too well with a shorter experience. But yeah, it's 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 not the end of the world. It, to me, it's it's more much of a muchness. I, I, again, back to what I was saying before, it's an older game, and older games weren't always the most you know longest experience. You know, back then that was just a bit more par for the course kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so one side note, actually, which is sort of slightly distracting while I'm talking about that. Um, originally, Yawn melted into the floor when he died. Ah, no, yeah, fair point. Maybe that's where they got it from. Because the plugers, you see, in um, the... <laughs> <laughs> just, just throwing it out there. I was, I was trying to think of what what melted when you died when it when it died in the original no, no, series. Very well um, remembered. Grave digger as well. Oh, uh, God, grave digger as well, and also drain. No, no, uh, chimeras. Yeah, yeah, and remake. Yeah, they definitely just liquidate, yeah. don't they? Yeah. Well, shows the most. Chimera is one of the most satisfying things to kill in remake, where they just literally blast into nothingness and then just disappear. So yeah, fair enough. That certainly showed me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, you're definitely right. I think that it's a bit of a, a weird one because it's yeah, lots of it almost feels like it should be a bit of an elongated experience because of the, and we're going to talk about the themes in it um, feel like it should be drawn out and a bit more tense, but at the same time. Um, because of the gameplay, which, and we'll probably sum up some final thoughts on the gameplay, I decently enjoyed, I didn't have any problem with it, but I think some people probably would struggle to play it, a game like that for double the amount of hours that it is. Um, it's it's fairly, it's not, there's not a lot of depth to it. So I think for the playtime it works, and as you just pointed out, Sherwin, there are multiple pathways in this game. So several times where you'll, be presented with a choice of doors and routes that you can take across rooftops through sewers and that kind of thing, um, which kind of facilitates three, maybe more playthroughs to see all the areas, um, which I kind of like. You know, you get to pick up different files in all these areas, piece together some more of the background story of everything going on, and uh, yeah, getting to see an area that you've not seen before and find out what what BOWs are lurking in there was kind of nice. Yeah, one if you if you plan it correctly and and you make sure you take different routes every time, you can you can see them all in three playthroughs. So even then, it's not not a game with a whole lot of replayability to it. But the option of that I thought was quite nice at the time. Uh, Steve, how do you feel about the pathways? It's probably one of its best unique selling points. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me. I think we've already talked about how other arcade shooters kind of did this. Like uh, if you shot certain things on screen in like mm. Dino Crisis or House of the Dead. You could like force the character to take a different route, and then like in later games it would be choose your route, route A or route B. It's a, it's, a, it's a similar kind of thing to that, but with a Resident Evil flavor. I do wish it was kind of a bit more signposted because I, on my most recent playthrough at least, I stumbled into a lot of these choices before I even realized I was making a choice. Um, mm. Notably, when Ark decides, "Oh, that's a strange cliff. I'm going to silently fall down," 
and then uh, get attacked by 240 million tyrants. Uh, you know, but no, it's it's okay because like, it adds to the variety. And if you feel like part of me wishes there was a bit of signposting, you know, like um, for a very strange allegory, Earthworm Jim has these little bits on the courses normally where it says wimp or stud. Like if you had easy, medium, or hard, in some way indicated to you. So if you're like. If yeah. you're confident, you can go on the hard route and get the better loot. If you're feeling battered and bruised, you go on the easy route. Um, that's probably my only real takeaway from it, other than it's just a nice thing to have. Uh, it allows you to basically change how you want to go about things. And I think certain choices can be negated and change who's the main, um, I say, villain. That's right, yeah. Who shows up at the end to, to yeah. be uh, garroted. <laughs> go a strange way and then this small bold man who doesn't even know who you are dies otherwise it's the main villain or like the cleanup crew or you know mm. the jeff from accounting you know anybody <laughs> could turn up and get murdered by the tyrant yeah no it's good that it has its impact like that but yeah i actually agree with that idea that maybe they should have uh created some different difficulties i i have the same problem though where i sometimes accidentally go down the same pathway as i always Maybe it's the allure of the the moth room, but I always wind up going that way and through the sewers. Um, <laughs> maybe that's just me. Um, let's. I think we, before we move on a little bit, let's just sum up the gameplay because it, it's a really unique beast, Resident Evil Survivor. There have been other first-person titles in Resident Evil now. Um, some that lean more into the horror and some that lean even more into the arcade with the Chronicles games. I guess the main question really is... Did you enjoy the gameplay of Resident Evil Survivor, especially on most recent um, playthroughs uh, show? And do you think you still enjoy Resident Evil Survivor as a gameplay experience now? Uh, I do. Um, what's you know, weirdly, uh, and this is a slight, it's a slight politician trick to avoid answering the question. The thing <laughs> that actually impressed me the most when I, when I played it of recent times, actually, was. I hadn't played it for a little while, and I kind of played it with, I guess, a fresh set of eyes is the best way of saying it. And mm. what I was pleasantly surprised by was just how easily uh, or how how quickly it kind of onboards you to the core game loop. That I found really interesting. Like, you literally see a ropey cutscene, you drop out your helicopter thing or whatever else happens. And then at this point, you're like, right, okay. Oh, all I have is this gun with me, and then obviously you have 70,000 bullets. But... Um, all I have is this gun, and next thing you know, you're shooting a zombie, and now you're kind of literally like, go walk, go explore. Like, it mm. literally onboards you so very quickly to the core loop. It's like you are, there's no tutorial, there's no taking its time to slowly introduce anything. It's really punchy, like, just in terms of how quickly you get there. And that actually took me by surprise quite a lot, and had me kind of going, wow, actually, that's kind of cool. This game isn't messing around. Um, but the rest, I mean, again, for me, it's always the theme of it um that that brings me back and i think in its own in its own way of saying things that probably means i'm not the mass the most biggest fan of the gameplay um i think in a roundabout way i'm not i'm not talking about yeah i really enjoy the gameplay for this it's so much fun to play it isn't survival horror the unlimited bullets it just isn't the best it doesn't necessarily feel like a resident evil game in that sense the the alternate paths is amazing um i really like that aspect to it and sort of affecting what happens in the story arc and stuff. But again, the the thing that brings me back is the feel of the game, not the actual experience of playing it. Right. Yeah. You know what? I think you've summed it up for me as well better than I could have. Um, yeah, the over, it's the overall experience. The gameplay is fine. Um, as I said, I wouldn't want to play hours upon hours of it, but it 
it serves me getting through that whole experience without too much trouble. And yeah, like literally the second room I think that you walk into is that one where you face the initial zombie, pick up the first key and get to make that choice. So yeah, after after the cutscene that it's maybe a little bit too long for me, but um when you're into the game, you're into the game. You you're you're really rolling. Um Steve, how do you feel about the the gameplay to sum it up? Uh on my recent playthrough, I to, to be as nuanced as I can, I feel like the game is as balanced as a EKG meter having a, a you know hot cardiac arrest. It's it's peaks and valleys the entire time. Like there's there's some rooms that like it just wants to kill you instantly, and then everything else is like a shooting gallery. Um, like for example, I mentioned the lickers earlier. If you tried and fight them, uh, chances are you could die. Whereas if you just mm. walk by them. Like just casually stroll around these deadly bioweapons with apparently lance-like tongs that have ripped this town apart. It's a leisurely stroll. Until you get to like the ending rooms where they just fill it full of trash sweepers and they can like kill you in seconds if there's more than one of them. It's it's weird. The, the actual gameplay itself feels very jank. Like I, I've played a lot of janky shooters in my time, but this is... It's up there. Like uh, when, when it's shooting zombies and like one-on-one with hunters or a parade of tyrants it's fairly straightforward otherwise it can be a nightmare and now reading the file church manager's diary from resident evil survivor dimitri who you can follow on twitter at dimmy october 7th 1998 today the leaders of each section of the city including myself attended a meeting with the commander. The briefing was on the destruction of Raccoon City. During the conference, everyone placed blame on William Birkin. He betrayed the company and wanted to keep the G-Virus for himself. The commander told us that if there is a traitor like Birkin in this city, we should execute him immediately and without question. I wholeheartedly agree with the commander's orders. This city is as as vital to Umbrella as that laboratory in Raccoon City was. No, it is actually much more important. We must not allow a biohazard to happen in this city. We cannot let Umbrella's efforts to buy the city and establish these billion dollar facilities go to waste. We should keep a closer eye on the behaviour of personnel in the future. All right, so let's talk more about the themes, the identity and everything else going on sort of under the surface of this game. This story of Resident Evil Survivor is a bit of a weird one. It's kind of all over the place and it's kind of really simple, but it's kind of complex. I don't know. It's a, it's a bizarre beast to me, at least. Um, starts with your protagonist, your somewhat unnamed protagonist, waking up after a helicopter crash on Sheena Island, which is an umbrella-owned island full of umbrella facilities of various kinds which you will uncover as you go through uh, this takes place in october 1998 after the raccoon city incident um, and you hear various members of the umbrella corporation talking about that incident in the files over the course of the game the protagonist um, comes under the impression that they're vincent goldman who's a big part of the running of this island um, due to various characters that just kind of assume that he is uh until it's i mean we're we've already basically got into spoiler territory if you don't have the spoilers for a 20 year old game he's not vincent goldman he's ark thompson 
uh, a someone sent here by Leon Skek, Scott Kennedy to sort of act as a spy. Various hijinks occur uh, that include the crashing of a helicopter and the ons- the ensuing amnesia. There are parts of this that I like. I really like the way they sort of weave these. So amnesia is a really cheap way to do any plot. I'm sure we'll all agree with that. You know, I don't know who I am. How convenient for the story and the and the people playing at home. But to be fair, the way they do it with characters that legitimately would make that assumption about him. There's the bit with the photograph where he's led to believe that that's him as well. And it's quite well done when you actually read into it. I don't feel like the game necessarily does a great job of telling that story. Uh, it does have a few good scenes in it with the, with the revelation of it, but in terms of a setup, you know, it's a, it's a bit it's a bit sloppy. Like Umbrella owned island with a tyrant factory on it. That's great. Um, Leon Scott Kennedy getting a random name drop from this nobody spy who thinks he's a bad guy. That's a bit like I don't know. It doesn't 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 congeal together for me. Um, Sherwin, how do you feel about the top plot setup? So the biggest thing I can say in my show notes I have for this one is literally amnesia with just many, many lines crossed through it and circles around it, uh, which I think really, yeah. really chimes in what you're talking about. Amnesia sucks, man, as like a, as a, oh, look, this character has this and that's your setup. It's awful. Yeah. Um, what I found really interesting with this is like it really goes out of its way to make it fit into... Um, so it really goes out of its way to make it fit into the Resident Evil universe, but it does it in a way that actually feels a bit more integrated and a bit more um, cohesive uh, than you might think. If mm. you want a really bad example of of how the something makes how something tries to achieve this, go watch Phantom Menace, where it drops in random Jawas or Jabba the Hutt or something else <laughs> to remind you that you are watching a Star Wars movie at some point during the thing. Whereas in this, there's loads of elements that are kind of bolted in, which just feel like they're overlaid Resident Evil themes. And what's really interesting is, yeah, there's lots of name drops. There's like, oh, this is just a note left by Nikolai randomly kicking around, for example. Um, But what I found really weirdly jarring is, I think the reason why this sort of falls down a lot when it comes to that storytelling, some of it's really good. Other stuff, by comparison... Like, there's a bit where you have a restaurant owner right at the start. I remember this from reading it. And it's like, the reason it's charmed with me for two reasons. First one is, like, you're reading it and this restaurant owner's going, hey, yeah, we're on Umbrella Island. Yeah, we have all this other stuff. And I heard this thing happen in Raccoon City. And he's just talking about the disaster and says, yeah, and I heard there was a guy called William Birkin who got injected himself with his own G-virus. They <laughs> just about managed to defeat in the end. Oh, my God, that could happen here as well. How does some random dude know that piece of information? Like That doesn't feel like, yeah, are we talking to the players now or are we talking in-world to a character? Because mm-hmm. that's the bit where it felt like this game did it wrong a lot of the time. The same as like Nikolai just randomly leaves a note laying around going, hey, yeah, by the way, here's all the details about Nemesis you might ever want to know, everyone like that sort of stuff it just really feels a bit jarring but i mean the real other reason i remember that restaurant owner is you never find out he makes it out his last of his diary is like man i need to get out of this island you never find a man with a big chef's hat you <laughs> find a zombie, like yeah you never know what happens to the restaurant owner mm-hmm. i want to know um but no in all seriousness i think it this game suffers from a criminal from criminally bad voiceovers and yeah. in a lot of places and the cutscenes, like you alluded to earlier, a lot of them are too long. A lot of them aren't terribly well put together. And they just generally don't gel too well. And yeah, some of that is kind of how it used to be. 
you know, like on old games like this. But at the same time, some you know, like the it's just not great a lot of the time. It's almost like the game, and I guess, I guess this is a big thing. The game, this is a very convoluted game. Lots of it feel like it's going in opposite directions at the same time. We talked about the speed of which, like that sort of fast-paced kind of arcade shooter kind of vibe, doesn't go with the sort of slow crawl kind of Resident Evil, you know, feel to it. Um, you know, this idea that we're going on lots of branching story pathways where we get to unlock loads of different lore doesn't really work when you've got really jarring sort of notes that are dotted around, which are actually brilliant in some places, mm. like where the actual pictures like change as you go through, so they're almost telling a visual story as well as the words. Yeah. I think it's the first Resident Evil game that did that. And you also have, at the same time, really crap cutscenes to support these branching path structure. So there's lots of stuff with it that feels really awkward. And it's a shame because you can almost grab that and remake it in something that feels quite nice. But as such, it does impact on the story somewhat, I think. Um, so yeah, my take. Yeah, that's fair. Um <sighs> Yeah, the surface level stuff is is a, is really all over the place, unfortunately, because um, yeah, and I don't know if it undermines some of the stuff. Under, I don't know if it necessarily does for me. Stuff really deep into this game when you start piecing it together as a fan is there's some incredible stuff here. Like I said, the game was written by Flagship, so they sort of knew what they're doing when they're inserting new information. So the Tyrant Factory, all of that makes sense. You've got this is the game that sort of cast a little bit of light on Spencer for the first time and mention sort of what his ideals were and, you know, Umbrella's corporate visions and stuff like that. So there's a lot of cool stuff like that. But then, yeah, the William Birkin name drop doesn't make sense. Ark going, oh, my friend Leon Scott Kennedy sent me here. Just lies like whiplash, comes out of nowhere. And the cuts, oh, goodness me, the cutscenes, the cutscenes. Steve, I'll let you go before we start pulling apart the sort of the voice acting and the the dialogue. What do you think of the setup for Survivor? Okay, so this is this is a a web to untangle Mm because I have very mixed feelings about Resident Evil Survivor's narrative and plot. The the actual science, the, the the things going on on Sheena Island, I find. Very interesting and very compelling because, you know, the whole concept of how they are making these tyrants, the, the science behind it, the fact they have to, like, pretty much gouge a child's brain out while they're, or an adolescent's right. brain out while they're alive and stuff. That's twisted. That's that's Umbrella's MO all over, right? And then we've got a amnesiac protagonist with the, uh, the emotional range of cardboard up against some villains who have the emotional range of angry cardboard. And... <laughs> You know, for some reason, I I can't remember where, but I saw like comments that Vincent Goldman is a more compelling villain than Wesker. And I'm, I am struggling to put this into words other than what are you smoking and may I have some? Yeah, I don't think necessarily writing here a list of evil things he did makes him a more compelling villain. No, like (laughs) the the, the entire crux. Okay, a massive spoiler. It's a 20 year old game. I know we've already had the warning, but right. Spencer, Spencer, Wesker. I'm getting my names. Vincent Goldman, Steve. There we go. His name is Vincent Goldman, right? So some kids escape from their horrible experiments. He finds them, and he executes like six of them. And as a result, he gets massively paranoid that Umbrella, you know, the company known for really being keen on human resources and all these like compassionate deeds, are going to be mad at him. And then he finds out that a spy who does no spy-related things is on this island decides to pull the full like plug and kill everyone 
And his grand scheme is to go, wasn't me, promote me. <laughs> what, what, this is a villain, is That's it? That's about it, the crux of it, yeah. He also, like, this, this, this mastermind, this, this super villain, has a direct line from his mother. <laughs> Vincent, stop doing those awful experiments. Come back home. Sorry, but, I had to. But to, 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 to dial it back, there, there are some interesting things about Sheena Island's makeup implied in the files that I actually find truly like more disturbing than even mm. the tyrant stuff. Like there is a us and them mentality. There is almost a fascist, a fascististic like idea that if you're not part of umbrella or not part of the umbrella staff, you're basically not a non person. It's even implied in like, I think it's lots diary, a child, a pivotal child to the plot. That kind of stuff is grim and uh, very intriguing. In and in a game which is basically about a man who doesn't know who he is, who shoots monsters and rescues some kids and then buggers off. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's that's some that's some intense stuff. Basically, like Vincent is implied to have maybe been leading a Hitler Youth style umbrella brainwashing kind of thing going on. I yeah, you know, couple that with the tyrant experiments. That that's interesting, but not the cardboard cutouts. Precisely. Yeah. I I really like Survivor for stuff like that. Like the information that it gives and the weird twisted depths that it goes with stuff like that. Vincent Goldman personally executing all these children who have been kidnapped from around the world to be experimented on, have their parts of their brain poked at to make the best tyrant. They try and escape and he personally executes them all. That is messed up. And then even little little stuff you mentioned um lot and lily um there's the bit where you go to their house and you read the diary um about their parents passing away right at the end of the diary and either directly after that or just beforehand depending on what way you've walked around the house you found a zombie in a bedroom which you either are going to shoot probably or or you already have which is probably one of their parents i assume is what the implication there is that's pretty messed up but on the other end of it they're called lily and lot klein uh, the German word for small, so Lily and Lot. Like, like literally, they came up with one idea, and that's what they went with for the names of these characters. It just it, there's so much silly, stupid stuff like that. But there's also like yeah, really interesting, important plot threads in this with like the Tyrant Factory. This is where all the T103s are coming from. This is the mass production plant of the Tyrant. It's a it's a smorgasbord of great and awful, to be honest. Yeah, the, the, the wider concept and scope and ideas are more compelling than the actual central players themselves. Yeah, yeah, totally. So let's talk about the cutscenes. Let's talk about the voiceovers and all of that goodness. Yeah, Vincent's mother, <laughs> one of them. She, the, the show stealing that that one scene is, which is just awful. Um, but yeah, she's not the only one. Ark is notoriously terrible, I find. My favourite line of his... <laughs> he's right at the end of the game where they're in the helicopter and the most reassuring line in Resident Evil history where he says we can fly as long as we have fuel <laughs> great cool so basically we're doomed <laughs> thanks any any standout terrible voice acting Sherwin what what did you think of the uh, all of that uh, I mean to be honest for me you don't even need to get any further than the intro uh, it sounds like <laughs> yeah it sounds like someone who recorded the voiceover on an answering phone machine and then held it to the speaker of another answer phone machine <laughs> to try and get the recording done. 
and then exactly as as you would say, held it next to one of those barely intelligent pieces of cardboard that is one of the enemies um, to basically try and get it muffled through. And I remember just listening to it, and after it felt like such a massive step backwards. Like mm. bear in mind, RE one, RE two had quite big, bold voices. You can say what you want about the voice acting, but they're not muffled. They're clear. They're concise. Yeah. They're punchy. This just felt like it was bad. And then when you actually heard the characters start to interact and talk and stuff, my yeah, it was bad. It was just awful. And I think um, for me, the, the, the thing that I always find, this is a personal bugbear, but it's really hard to put effective children character characters in anything um, because they just sound, for the most part, it's really hard to build empathy with them mm. because most of the time, especially at games this age, children, female, sorry, children characters are just, male or female, are just annoying. Um, and Granted, these kids aren't as bad as Steve in Code Veronica, but they <laughs> are not far off. <laughs> I uh, It's funny because when we did our Sherry episode earlier this season, we talked about how that's a great example of a of a child character that never, ever feels annoying in any incarnation. But yes, yeah, that's very is, fair. I think is, that's very, very fair. This is night and day with that, definitely. The And the voice acting is a huge part of why... Lillian Lockline, you, you really don't really care if you get them out there or not, let's be honest. You're more interested in uh, fighting the monsters, to be honest. Well, I, I think actually, if anything, that, that probably applies to every character in the game, and I think that's what we've done. <laughs> um, you don't ever feel any sort of emotional connection to anything that's mm. going on other than the lore. Yeah, I'm more emotionally invested in those kids, to be honest, that tried to escape. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Steve... Any any standout terrible voice acting moments that stuck with you and keep you up at night? Vincent, you are a murderer. <laughs> a murderer. Or uh, I just like it. There's a, a very early scene where, you know, Ark is having a moment trying to figure out who he is. It's like, it's just as a, like ruffles his head and goes, oh, like it's like the sound of a parent <laughs> who's seen their kids spill the flipping food on the floor. Like, oh, you know, I've got to clean that up. Um, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's, garbage like it's easily the worst voice acting in the resident evil pantheon um mm. you know i would argue it's like giving house of the dead 2 a run for its money <laughs> All right. and that's got like you know dogs of the ams time they made a move uh, and other like choice bonkers lines it's oh goodness me like yeah. it's uh, it's I almost like they took resident evil 1's voice acting and just went let's see how bad we can <laughs> take it you know let's go right down the reverse direction you want to go with this it's, it's not like they didn't have access to like voice actors of well, you know i know some people would say they've dated but like you know reasonable quality like two and three mm, exactly. like even get the re1 cast back in they'll get a better t- of a performance in these mm-hmm. these feel like the guys they had around the office like who weren't doing it went hey can you just read these lines for us uh, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, I just can't feel any energy from them. They're all like, just yeah, okay. And you're not the, you're not Vincent. You're the detective. Uh, you know, uh, no, no. Like you know, like this is be better as a novel or something. <laughs> if you had to watch it as a movie or a novel, I'd have the novel hands down. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's fair. Although I, I'm slightly partial to Andy Holland's evil laugh as he locks a door in your face for the second time. <laughs> it's a good take. Oh. As a side note, as much as we say this, awful, 
awful acting. Goldman was actually the name of the bad guy in House of the Dead. Yeah. This so is maybe, true. This, maybe this is where the tie-in comes. Maybe that's <laughs> what it is. It, that's got to be a nod to House of the Dead, surely. Maybe. Who knows? All I remember is, this is Goldman. Like, yeah, literally like dogs of the AMS. Yeah. Time they made a move. That sort of stuff. Like, Basically. Yeah, mate, this, this is not far off of that. I just remember Welcome, he would always be like, <laughs> when he would talk, like when he would shout, it would just be like, that's all I remember him. To protect the life cycle. That's it. Protect the life cycle. So weird. Anyway, we are we are talking about home time. Yeah, we are. Now, that's a podcast, a different podcast for another day. Um, so staying with... Um, <laughs> using the word loosely aesthetic um let's talk more about audio let's talk about soundtrack i think bold statement perhaps coming uh the sound survivor has one of the most underrated soundtracks in the entire series the factory track is terrible i'm not really sure what's happening there when you get to the factory you've got that long Almost, um, yeah, this is a really long, wide corridor with the ivies in it. Not sure what that track is about, but most of the other stuff is actually really good. It's really good at setting an atmosphere. The church is really good. The library's really good. Um, the prison works fairly well, considering how drab it is. It's even stuff thrown in there that we'd never had in Resident Evil before, like sort of almost like dance tracks, because, you know, one of the locations is a nightclub, so it made sense. Yeah, it's a real yeah. There's 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 a lot here that I would imagine most people overlook because of other qualities of the game, which is a which is a shame. Showing, do you remember the music to Survivor at all? Anything stand out? Uh, I absolutely do. I agree with you. Uh, I think the soundtrack's awesome, with exception of two things. Uh, one is, and both are actually deployment. They're not the soundtrack itself. Mm. Uh, the first one is some sections of it are just mastered too loud. Uh, the church, especially when you go in there, is booming. It's so loud. And it kind of breaks that creeping atmosphere that you have. Like you're creeping through a completely silent area. Like, you know, all you can hear is the wind and like a howl of a dog in the distance. You know, the, the, the Resident Evil dog, the trademarked Resident Evil howl, dog howl, mm-hmm. that happens in the distance. And then literally suddenly you open the door, you're in the church, and next thing you know, it's like they're playing something, blasting over some speakers at maximum volume. <laughs> um, and it really kind of felt a bit jarring there. The other thing is... It's not the dance music you're talking about with the club bit. It's the action music, which is absolutely dance-tastic. It's, mm. okay, there's, there's random enemies have jumped out. It's not your jump scare music. And it plays, not only is it crap, but it also plays over the top of the other music as well. And it just sounds really bad um, as a result of that. Um, and as soon as you kill the enemies, it goes away, and then you're left with actually quite nice music. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of fits the rest of it. Those two things aside, um, I think it's it's really good. Um, I've got nothing else to say about that. It's just really, really solid. It's not the height of the series, but it's no. certainly not a bad entry. Yeah, definitely. Steve, uh, your thoughts on the soundtrack? Uh, while I would say it's the weakest of the four PS1 games, I would say by by no stretch of imagination is it bad. There are yeah. some absolute clunkers. Like like you said, the one in the factory where it sounds like they've kicked a Casio downstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, overall, it's okay. It actually reminds me a lot of Dino Crisis 1 in places where it's yeah. just like eerie, synthy beeps and like the odd tone. I mean, there's, there's some that break out. Like, obviously, where it breaks into massive dance music fiesta when you first boss, or the first uh, room with more than one zombie. But uh, overall, it's not bad. 
like I I can see where it would fit. It just unfortunately it's overshadowed by its you know Resident One, Two, and Three for me. Yeah, I mean that is, I mean going up. Yeah, the Giants, but, but it, so. you know being the being the ten model against that you know the ten medal against them is not a bad thing Absolutely. really. Yeah. Um, and the final thing we talked about um, voice acting, we talked about music. I also just wanted to hit sound effects. Um, there's. <sighs> Most of them are lifted from other Resident Evil games, to be honest. So there, I suppose there isn't too much you can say. I'd try not to be um, a very nostalgic person in general, but playing this game just makes me happy. The way that it sounds and the way that it looks is just that very familiar, almost warm, comforting sort of thing. The, the footstep sounds, the door sounds. I just, if I close my eyes, I can think exactly where they're lifted from in other Resident Evil games. And there's just, yeah, there's just something nice about that for me. That. The, just had to put that out there. Steve, any highlights or lowlights to sound effects? Effect-wise, I think we've already talked about the Trash Sweeper's unique sound like. <laughs> yeah. uh, overall, it's okay. I like it. I, I was kind of wondering if we could nudge the conversation into the um, the actual aesthetic of the game itself. Yeah, the, yeah we will. Yeah, the layout I mean, feel, of the environment. Feel, feel free. Yeah, feel free. Because that's uh, something that I actually think... I know I've been probably the most negative on Survivor on this podcast so far, so I feel like I should say something that I actually do like, in that while some of the areas are maybe a bit cramped compared to real world standards, like uh, a lot of this place for th- for early 3D on PS, well, late 3D on PS1, really, but for PS1, very convincing locations and very well dressed, well set designed. And that's a really big strength. I mean, especially in comparison to, I think Dino Crisis precedes this, right? So they, I would this is infinitely more believable in like areas like the the, the hospital and like, the offices that has actual locations. Uh, it's the most convincing I've seen on the PS1 for these kind of horror games as to places where these could be. You know, mm-hmm. these could actually be physical locations. The streets are a little narrow. Uh, it gives me a lot of strong Venice vibes in places. But uh, yeah, I actually really like that. Um, like I said, dialing back on the audio, uh, it, I, there's nothing really that stands out as a... Uh, good, bad, or inoffensive, other than the, the silliness of the trash sweepers. Yeah. yeah really, for me personally. No, yeah, I, that's that's totally fair. Um, I think if you were to try and compare this game, same with the music, um, probably 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 more so with the visual design, when you compare this game to Resident Evil 2 and 3, you're going to regret doing that. But it's its own different thing, and it, I, yeah, it pulls it off quite well. And none of the locations are ugly, necessarily. Uh, they all serve their purpose. More than handily. Um, and again, it's one of those things where I imagine for most people, they don't play Survivor as much as they play the quote-unquote classics from the era. Um, so we, it's nice to go back and, 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 and feel that flavour in a new game, in a new game, in a different game. Like the sound effects and the visual to, to experience that aesthetic again, but in a package that you you know everyone knows RE2 inside and out for the most part. But it, it's, it was nice for me personally to go in Survivor and, and appreciate it all in different ways. Showing, how do you feel about the, the sound effects and all the look of the game? Do you know, this is the part where I'm going to roll up my sleeves because this is all the good stuff in the good column on my oh, show. okay, excellent. Like, all of it, all of this here. So, um, and the soundtrack and the, and the sound effects definitely tie into that for all the reasons you just said, Si, uh, just to quickly touch base on those guys. I 100% agree with you um, because a lot the best parts of what this game does is when it's a love note to RE fans. Mm. Uh, that absolutely ties into that. Even though I'm pretty sure that wasn't intended. They just lifted a whole bunch from our old RE games. But the, the, the overall effect is it really works very well. But 
the feel of this game is so spot on to Resident Evil. It's insane. Mm. Uh, and that feels weird considering all the other stuff I've said. But just that real sense of eeriness, that sense of isolation, that sense of I am alone out here. There are enemies and I need to try and you know get from point A to point B. And I, you know, it's it literally just on fighting against them. That is perfect. Like, and in terms of the actual background and everything else, it feels really, really suited to RE. And I think a lot part of it is because, obviously, it shares a lot of graphical identity with what the RE2 and RE3 especially. Um, so it kind of very much feels like it belongs to that era of those classic games. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah, it feels like it definitely has chimes in really, really well with that. What's really nice about it is this, um, what I think was, just going back quickly to sound effects, is this got this tremendous sense of environmental uh, interaction. Like very early on, like there's the clock ticking in one of the rooms until you take one of the pieces. I think it's like you take the hand off it or something. Yes, rather. yeah. And then it stops it ticking, for example. Little bits and pieces like that really feel noticeable. I like the amount of corpses that stand up. Like, yes, you had corpses in RE2 and sometimes they stood up or whatever, but they're really obvious because the zombie would move his head around or whatever else. Like the amount of times that you walk past a dead body, that thing gets up. The amount of shots that are really well set up in terms of, I remember in one of the rooms you're walking down a main corridor, you're looking down a main corridor, you see one zombie sort of stagger past, its head kind of slowly turns and it sees you and it kind of starts staggering towards you. As you're shooting it, like more enemies come as well, like you're mm. drawing attention to it, that sort of stuff. It's really smart in terms of a lot of things it does there. But the most, I think, possibly the best thing that I could say about it if you actually look at this game in terms of, and again, this is something I realized actually going back and playing it recently just for this. In terms of the tonality of the game, in, ter in terms of the color uh, palette it's using, in terms of the universal kind of uh, feel of that, and in terms of its overall feel, this is actually much closer to Resident Evil Remake than RE2 or RE3. You don't have a huge wide berth of colors going on that kind of distract you away from anything else. Mm. It all feels like it's really well tied together. It's got that kind of drab layer of misery over the top of it, which kind of really suits its, its morose tone and its feel for very, very well. It's supremely geared towards that. And that's a very similar thing to what RE1, the RE1 remake does. It kind of puts this filter over the top of everything where it's got this kind of crud infested um, sort of, yeah, this crud-infested kind of location on you, which really puts you in feel of it. It's gritty, it's grimy. And I think this does the same thing very, very well. Um, so that, for me, really resonates quite hard. The best way I can describe this this game, I think, is it's it's that really awesome kind of familiar horror thing that you've seen over and over again, but you kind of have that really soft spot in your heart for because it's really kind of quite fun if you don't take it seriously. Yeah. And there's lots of fun sort of bits you can sort of take nods from on it. And I think that is that itself as well fits nicely into the RE back catalogue. I play RE1 or RE2 or whatever else, and I'm just blasting through almost like hanging out with my old buddies kind of thing, you know, because you remember playing it so many times over the years. It doesn't make you jump scare anymore. It doesn't make you kind of have any sort of shocks or anything. It just feels nice to do it. Mm. And I think that's exactly the same for what this game does. Yes, I completely agree. You can feel... The love for the source material and the care and attention that's been taken to sort of spin off some own ideas in that, like talking about the way that it would affect sound and from a visual perspective. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree with that. I think probably time to wrap it up. Um, let's get some final thoughts on Survivor. Um, 
would you recommend that kind of thing? What's your your general feeling on it? Um, Steve, why don't we start with you? What's your what's your what are you feeling like looking back on Survivor now that it's turning twenty with your recent playthrough under your belt? Is it uh, is it a worthy spin-off? Should it be remade? <laughs> As most of our uh, most of our Discord actually, I should just pause right there. We put up a couple of polls actually in the Discord server, and I asked everyone if they'd like to see a Survivor remake with the options of yes, please, uh, just a port would would suffice, or maybe it's best to leave it in the past. Everyone voted yes, which led me to ask um, what game would they like to see remade the most between Code Veronica, RE4, and Survivor. Survivor came second to Code Veronica. So it beat out RE4 quite handily, which didn't get a single vote. Um, so there's love there. Like I said, we called this a cult classic at the, at the start of the show. Steve, do you, do you feel like that applies? And how do you feel about it yourself? Uh, I can appreciate it's, it's standing in the fandom. Mm-hmm. I, I can appreciate the, the wider scope of the law. But the, uh, the narrative of the game is... You know, the, um, by narrative, I mean that our core central actors doing their bit, not the not what Umbrella's doing at the place. Yeah. Uh, they, it's a bit crap. Like, and then you've got the the gameplay is okay. Like, I actually think the gameplay is remarkably when you when you take out something like the hit scanning um, trash sweepers and stuff. Hit scanning being a term where if they uh, an invisible line is drawn between you and the enemy, they basically inflict damage, and it's it's very cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, like, take them out. It's actually like it feels very Resident Evil. Like, and you can't really complain when you want, want a Resident Evil game to still be a different perspective, an experimental perspective for the time. Um, you know that it, it it's got legacy, and I can appreciate that. Even if I can't appreciate the game to play, uh, which would be the weirdest way of saying it's okay, but I won't play it again. But go for it. Fair enough. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Uh, Sherwin, your final thoughts on Survivor. Uh, I mean, I've kind of summed it up in the previous bit, but I think um, for me, Survivor is definitely, as we said, of all of the original PS1 games, this is not the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's the worst of them. And it arguably, but that's, again, that's not that's not exactly like much of a slur when you're comparing what, when you think about what you're comparing it to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the only place it really sort of excels over any of them is the director's cut soundtrack. But... <laughs> <laughs> the um, like, you know, so it hardly beats that. But in terms of, for me, that the biggest thing I can say about this game is it's a fascinating little insight to a resident, a vision of Resident Evil back in, from back in the day. Would I play this game as a hardcore enthusiast? Yes. Elsewhere, I'd recommend if you want to get a feel for what this game is, just watch a YouTube video of someone playing it. Mm. Um, it's probably the best way to interact with it because I don't think, for all that I've you know talked about how the feel of it is really lovely and everything else going to the effort of obtaining a copy of this and then actually playing it and spending some time into working out what it is, I just don't think it's worthwhile. You could happily watch a video of it and kind of get a sense for what it is and enjoy it for that sort of, for that, you know, from that sort of perspective. Yeah. Um, but I think at the same time, it's, at the time, it's a lot of fun. Um, I think there's a few understandings that are wrong. And as I've said, it's a very conflicted beast. It tries to do lots of different things doesn't always succeed at very yeah the really really bad parts are really god awful and the really good parts are really good and there's not much in between i guess it's just a bit conflicted in the middle that's yeah i think that's very fair actually it's a it's a weird gamble of a prospect this game being the first spin-off anyway um being produced by someone 
outside of Capcom having the perspective yeah, shift. Resident Evil Gaiden was the first spin-off. Oh, Gaiden. Sorry, yeah. Shame wow. Best game in the series. Well, being the first non-handheld spin-off, I don't know where to go with that. You've totally thrown me now. You're totally right. Well, either way... As, as a spin-off. As a spin-off. It's a, yeah, it's a huge gamble. Um, and yeah, it comes out looking like a bit of a mess like because there's loads of good things and there's loads of bad things and it plays pretty clunky in places you know there's frame rate issues and stuff it looks funny sometimes but for all of that i just can't deny that it's charming it feels yeah. like it's made out of love and for the fans like you said this is probably aimed really at uh people that were hardcore into one two and three at this point um so if you're a massive fan which I'm sure most people that listen to a Resident Evil podcast <laughs> either are or are on their way to being. I definitely recommend it in that sense. But I don't think it's the kind of game that's the only mainstream its attention it's really got over the last 20 years. It's, Haha, look at this weird thing with its weird controller and its uh, terrible voice acting. And I think that is going to kind of be its legacy. I don't see it actually getting a remake, if I have to be completely honest. That's, that's kind of a lunatic thing to say. But... For me, I really, really like it. I, you know, it might even be in my top five. I just love the atmosphere. I love a lot of the background stuff. It's, yeah, it's almost like the forgotten Resident Evil game in that way. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe it's yeah, maybe it's just appealing. <laughs> One of the rare things that appeals to that nostalgic center. Where I, I just can't deny it. So it's hard and, to, yeah, and, it's really hard to sum up. And on a random on a random question I'll pose to you then, in which Go case, for it. anyone who has the history of terrible... Uh, voiceovers and everything else assume for a moment that this was the sequel this was resident evil 2 <laughs> yeah actually that's... that makes sense it bolts in right it's almost like this is the it's almost like this could have been resident evil 2 is the best way i've got to describe it and the series went in a different direction a better direction and that's it yeah, and it's just strange. weird it, it's a weird way it sort of arrives then it's, yeah that's a really interesting point actually I don't know how I would would have felt about it. I mean, obviously I started with Resident Evil 2 personally, but if I'd have played Resident Evil 1 then this had come out, that would be a very big shock, I think. I, just, I, I see more I see more in keeping with this mm -hmm. in terms of the in terms as a sequel to Resident Evil 1 than I do seeing it as a sequel to Resident Evil 2 and 3. That's yeah, that's a fair point, definitely. I yes. It, yeah, that's it, fair. It has that original horror vibe. It has the you know the tremendously awful cutscenes and and other bits, and it just yeah. feels like it's not a super polished product, but it's still done with a lot of love. Whereas I feel that level of polish is what they applied to Res what Capcom applied to Resident Evil Two and Resident Evil Three, and that's why this feels so stark. Yes, well said. I think I think that might be the mindset to go into if you're going to play it as well is perhaps to think of it more in that perspective and more in that realm that it's it, yeah it acts more as a, a follow up to that in terms of a experience rather than what came later, which would progressively get more sort of triple A feeling over the years. Um, but still better than Code Veronica. Yeah. And still better than Code Veronica. So that's fine. <laughs> 
Well, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look into auditioning for our fireings. One way to get in touch is to email us at fasprayPod at gmail.com. But of course, the best course of action is to join our Discord server, where you can discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, and listen to the podcast live as it's being recorded. The link to the server is in the description of this podcast, and also on our social media profiles. You can follow us on Twitter at FASpraypod, on Instagram at FASpraypod, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash FASpraypod. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a review where you can. It helps spread the word. You can also support the show at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash FASpraypod for as little as $1 a month. So, from the personal highlights of subjects like Claire Redfield and Survivor to what may be the lowest of the low, in our next episode, at long last, we finish what we started by grabbing the popcorn and attending a showing of Film Club Andersonverse Part 3 with our look at Resident Evil Retribution and Resident Evil The Final Chapter. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Siniac underscore one, two, three. Steve is at FB Steve was taken. Sherwin is at Sherwin's agenda. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week. I, uh, I worry I put a target on my back today. <laughs> I really do. You're uh, fine. I think we were, uh, yeah. we were all very even keel. I think. Yeah, no, it was good. No, it really was good. That was balanced. If, yeah. if we all if we all kind of fanboyed out over it, it would be pointless. No, that was good. That was. I think that worked in a lot of ways. What's really interesting is that even those of us who are saying we really like Gun Survivor are saying this is awful. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's kind of the thing, isn't it? With, it's awful, it, but I love it. Yeah, right. It really is. It's it's a game which is awful for so many different reasons but what you said you can't just look at it and go this is charming it's yeah. so bad it's it's like it's not the brightest kid in class but it does it so it, it, it just trying. does what it does it does it does what it does with such earnesty that you're like you know what i kind of like you. you you're right <laughs> and that's kind of it you know yeah yeah and then it speaks and it's got some awful shrill voice and you're like oh shut up Speaks. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it's I mean, got really good red course work, but no presentation <laughs> skills. Yeah.